For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, I certainly did not think we'd be talking about the resignation of uh, Raider, former Raider head coach John Gruden. He resigned on Monday. We've had a couple of days now to digest this. I think the first thing is, Stan, did you ever have any interaction uh, with John Gruden? No, can't say that I did. I believe maybe I may have met him once. That was back when he was with the Bucks, uh, coaching them after we played them right after the game when everybody shakes hands, the season finale back in 2008. But other than maybe that possible handshake, I don't have any dealings with John Gruden in any form or fashion. Yeah, I actually had a few. I mean, it was nothing, you know, beyond, you know, let me preface it by saying, you know, working in the media, I was working at CNN Sports. The first time around when he was with the Raiders, he turned that franchise around. So, like I said, I was working for CNN Sports. I covered those teams a lot. You know, my dealings with him, John, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Things like that. Uh, nothing beyond that. So, mm-hmm. just wanted to preface it by that. Stan, your reaction to him resigning? Oh, wow. Uh, that tells me several different things. Uh, number one, that tells me what was really coming out probably next. And I say that because we all know players don't have fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL, but coaches do. So as a coach, we can remember Lane Kiffin several years ago, uh, as a coach, whether if you get fired, you still got, you still owe the rest of your money. Well, John Gruden was owed, I think another 65,000, six, I mean, 65 million, 60 million, something like that. And so for him to resign, which means you forfeit everything that you're gonna be owed, rather than just stay on and be fired, that told me so much of like, wow, he's willing to resign and forfeit it rather than get fired. And that way he receives all of it or some major buyout. So that really let me, that really gave me indication that, wow, there's something else that is probably more grave to come. And it's interesting. I was talking to, I was having a talk with somebody uh, just a couple of days ago and they're basically telling me that the NFL, obviously there's the probe into the Washington football team and everything going on with them. So we're going to go ahead and leave that to another conversation. And then that's when they stumbled upon the John Gruden comments, the John Gruden emails with him and Bruce Allen. And so the NFL basically was like, Hey, Las Vegas, Mark Davis, do uh, we got these emails right here? Uh, you need to fix this. You need to do something. And from what I understand, the Raiders, Mark Davis, were basically like, okay, no, we're just going to go ahead and kind of stand pad and just kind of, you know, uh, stay still right now. And then that's when the first leak happened on Friday. The comment he made about DeMar Smith, the lips like Michelin tires. And then you go, obviously, Saturday, nothing happens. Sunday is the game. Chicago Bears go ahead and whoop up on the Las Vegas Raiders. And so then, okay, we see, hey, Mark. What y'all going to do about this? Y'all going to do something? Nah, nah. Well, we're probably just going to go ahead and just kind of, you know, hold tight right now. Then 
<laughs> the NFL's like, oh, okay, uh, New York Times. Here goes some more emails. And so that's when all of a sudden, now it's the onslaught. And I'll say this, and this is, this is ugly. It's bad, but I'm going to say it anyways. The ugly truth of all of this is that if it would have stopped with just his racial comment or trove, what you, uh, what you call it, against DeMar Smith, a.k.a. the black community, John Gruden still have a job right now. That's, that, that's the ugly truth about it, Dennis. And I don't care what anybody else has to say or push back or whatever because that's we it's America, so we can all see that people are treated differently. But when it started to venture over into talking about Roger Goodell, you know, the head guy, and then you're talking about homosexuals, you're talking about women, that's when you as a human being on planet Earth, you talk about the homosexual LGBTQ I want to make sure that I don't get it wrong. I believe it's LGBTQ community. Right. Talk about them. Watch your entire life go down the drain. So that's when everything really got hot for John Gruden was that. But if it would have just stopped it, the disrespect, the disrespect toward the black community, I think John Gruden would probably still have a job. I do agree with you, Stan. I do believe the league would have probably suspended him. Oh, yeah. Find mm -hmm. him. And now how long they would have suspended him? I don't know. I mean, you look at uh, Sean Payton when, with Bounty Gate, and he got suspended for, for yeah, full season. So I do think when this broke Friday, I was like, okay, something's going to happen to Gruden. The, the league will come down on him. To what extent, I'm not sure. And then, like you said, uh, the, the ugly loss to the Bears on Sunday, and then the New York Times released all these other emails that came out, and I was like, well, Gruden's a dead man walking. I mean, what he said is, is completely unacceptable. He had to go. I don't know how that meeting went with Mark Davis, what went down. Uh, like you said, he resigned. He had to go, Stan. I mean, he had to go. He is the face of the Raiders. When you think of the Raiders, you think of Chucky. Chucky. Just like when you think of the Patriots, the Patriots. you think of Bill Belichick. When I think mm -hmm. of the Steelers, I think of Mike Tomlin. When I think of the Green Bay Packers, I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers. Gruden was the face of this franchise. He was the leader of 53 men. And, and mind you, he said, and one of which is homosexual. Carl Nassib. And that gets to the point also, might as well touch on it now. I mean, the Raiders have a history, stand of inclusiveness. You played with mm -hmm. this team. It started with Al Davis. Back in the day, he was one of the first ones to scout historically black colleges yes. for players in the AFL. He hired Tom Flores. He hired Art Shell. Art Shell. Art Shell. Twice he hired Art Shell. He hired Amy Trask the first woman to Good work in the front office of an NFL team. So what John Gruden basically did is he slapped or spit in the face of the Raiders franchise since they began. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's where, you know, as we're going to go ahead and talk about this a little bit uh, later, because of everything that Al Davis embodied, all about inclusion, not any exclusivity of any stretch of the imagination, that's something that, has been synonymous with the Raiders, the junkyard dogs, as people like to call back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And just the simple fact that Al Davis didn't care where you came from. He didn't care who your parents were. He didn't care what city you're from. He don't care your, 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 your ethnicity, your skin tone, whatever. If you can play, hey, man, sign up. So, uh, so that right there. And then when you factor in, and I hate to say this, for the Raiders to go and stretch out as far as they did to go and bring John Gruden back 
into Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders, uh, the building for them to offer him a 10 year, hundred million dollar contract. That's unprecedented for a coach guys getting paid like a, uh, like a, 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 an elite running back or, you know, a, 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 a corner franchise quarterback. These exactly. Days. So the thing is that Mark Davis, you're the one who really wanted Chucky back. So today, whenever it's the press conference, Mark, you need to go answer some questions. You can't just let, you just can't let the interim head coach go out there and be the sacrificial lamb. You can't do that. You're the owner. You got to go in. You got to take these bullets. You got to go and take this heat because you wanted this guy. So you got to answer for it. That's just part of, that's just part of the, the, uh, that's just part of the deal when you're the owner and you're the one who goes and personally goes after a guy when it doesn't, when it goes awry, you got to go and answer those tough questions. You can't let some interim head coach go in and deal with all those bullets all by himself, but we'll get, we'll get to that later on. But I think that, um, I think it just goes to show that we as men, we all think alike in a certain degree. Some of us are athletes, some of us are doctors, some of us are lawyers, some of us are non-athletes, to go ahead and put it lightly. But we all think alike in this matter. What I'm about to say is that for men, and I'm not talking about women, I'm not trying to down talk women by any stretch because women are more congenial. They're more understanding. They believe in change. They believe in giving someone the benefit of the doubt. Men, we're a little bit more cutthroat. We're a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit more black and white. And what I mean by that is for men, yeah, everybody's capable of change. Everybody is. But for men, there are certain actions you can make that, yeah, maybe you can change, maybe you can evolve, blah, blah, blah. But that's just in you. And for John Gruden, he said this a decade ago when he was working for uh, in the in the in the broadcast booth for a completely different network, not working for the NFL. That's in him. He can go and do all the sensitivity training, what the Eagles tried to do for Riley Cooper several years ago. He can do all that. But that's in him. Period. And that's why he was a dead man walking and couldn't go back because how can he go back and look at Carl Nassib in the face and actually tell him, hey, Carl Nassib, I believe in you. I love you. I'm glad that you're here on the team. You can't go and do that and not expect him to really, really believe you. So that's why I say certain things from men, and we understand this, certain actions that we make, that's just in you, period. You can go and talk about, oh my God, I was mad, or you know, I was drunk, or I was high, or you know, I was going through something. That's why I said what I said. No, 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 no. There are certain things as a man. You go and you stub your toe on the coffee table, that's a mistake. You go and you slam your door, uh, slam your finger in the doorway, that's a mistake. You go and you possibly were not paying attention, you rear in somebody. Okay, that's a mistake. But certain things, no, 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 no. That's in you. And you can go ahead and you can try to sidestep it, you can do whatever you want. But that's just in you. And as men, we all understand that about each other. So that's why going back to that locker room, that's going to be really, really tough because as players, nah, that's just in you. And it ain't leaving. And there's nothing you can do to explain to me or, or, or convince me that it, that it has left you. Now, maybe John Gruden goes, disappears, comes back in 2035 as a changed man maybe, but barring some extremely difficult or eye-opening type of event in his life, and I bet this is going to be an eye-opening event, but barring that, it's very difficult for someone who's 30 plus, I ain't talking about somebody 50 plus, to go ahead and completely change, modify, 
a complete 180 of their entire mindset that they've had for much of their life. And that's why, like I said, for men, especially, you know, players, there are certain things that one can do, a player or a coach, it doesn't matter, or an owner, that players will always be able, they'll see that as, that's just in you. I can't hear it. I can't unsee it. I can't unfeel it. And so that's why for many players, it's going to be hard for them to get over. So that's why he was a dead man walking all along. Stan, I've had this conversation with other people just to follow up on what you said. You know, oftentimes we'll hear about, oh, somebody was drafted and 15 years ago they made these comments on Twitter or Facebook. John Gruden was not a 13-year-old teenager. He wasn't a young yes. little kid. And we all know we've done stupid things when we were, we were younger. We were naive. Absolutely. We were dumb. John Gruden sent these emails probably in his what, late 40s or maybe when he was 50 years old. This mm -hmm. is He's a man. He exactly. knows what he was doing. There is a big difference from when you did something as a teenager compared to when you did it as a man, a leader of men. I know he wasn't coaching at the time, but you knew but, he was going to get back yeah. into the NFL at some point. And he was still doing the, you know, Gruden's quarterback camp exactly. and things like that out there in Tampa. Now, I will say this, Dennis. I will say this. And this is where, as a man, as a woman, as a person on planet Earth, you got to actually look in the mirror and ask yourself this. Now, I understand him resigning. I, I knew that he couldn't come back into that locker room because as players, we're not going to respect him. Right. Now, here's where this gets very interesting. And if you notice, the NFL has already denied the NFLPA's request of having all of the emails released because this is why. Are we all going to be advocates for the bigger picture? And this is what I mean. Do you want to create a society where what you said a decade ago can affect your employment status right now for an employer who you were not employed by when you said it? And I say that because if that is the new, if that's the new rule, <laughs> I want to say all, but I'm going to be nice and say most of us, myself included. Most of us would not be employed by who we're employed by right now. If the screening process is something you said nine years ago, you know, six years before you even got the job at where you currently are, if that right there is the screening process, man, that's creating a slippery slope because I, I, I would believe that for John Gruden, he's probably thinking, okay, well, I'm not the only person who said something stupid, this, that, and the other. Well, you know, everybody needs to be held to that same standard. And he's not wrong for thinking that. We can't go and just berate one guy because he said something, even though we all as humans say some off-the-wall things, maybe not to the extent of what he's talking about, homophobic and being misogynistic and racist and things like that. But do you want to live in a society where you're going to be held accountable for the employer that you have right now who didn't even employ you when you said whatever it was you said in the confines of your own home to your spouse, your best friend, whatever. So that's why I say, man, like this right here, this gets really tricky. And anybody who wants to go and push back on that, I, can, I will go ahead and gladly respect their opinion. But I would just ask them, are they ready to live under that same scrutiny protocol screening? Dan, I understand you completely because I've had this somewhat of a similar conversation with other people, but I will say this. There is a difference from me just going for a regular nine to five job, uh, you know, where I collect a paycheck 
I'm not going to be a head coach, a leader of a franchise, a CEO. Good point. Good point. There is, it's completely different. And I said this earlier that, you're right. you know, John Gruden was the face of that Raiders franchise. I mean, I feel like this franchise is a rudderless ship and we don't know where the hell it's going <laughs> or what it's doing moving forward. I, honestly, I mean, Gruden was in charge of football operations. He's yeah. gone. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Davis relied on him. For, he did everything. I mean, Mike Mayock is the general manager. Yeah, you kind of wonder what's, what's going to happen to him. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. But I just think it, and I get what you're saying, and I understand that about the emails, and I just think it comes down to, you know, what have you said? What has been said? What kind of position are, are you trying to do? Are you, are you applying for? I think it's, it's almost, is it a case-by-case -case situation, perhaps? I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm just... Yeah. Trying to look at it as you know what what the situation is with the Raiders and, and different things like that. Let me ask you this, Dan. And go how, ahead, how, fire away, fire away. <laughs> you know, Mark Davis, he had everything he wanted. He since the day he took over as for his father in 2011, he mm -hmm. wanted John Gruden. He wanted Gruden yes. to control everything. He wanted a brand new stadium. Couldn't get it done in Oakland, so he moved to the desert in Las Vegas. And now three and a half years after Gruden took over, it didn't even last four years. Of a 10-year contract Gruden had for a reported $100 million, we didn't even make it through year four. Gruden yeah. leaves with a 22-31 and 31 record. I mean, this there's no other way to paint it, Stan. This was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way it ended, clearly it was a disaster. It had its moments where it seemed like it was the tide was turning. It had its moments, but overall, yeah, you look at the 22 and 31 record. You look at how Derek Carr was an MVP candidate back in 2016. They went 12 and four, and it seemed like nothing was able to get all the way right since. So yeah, you have to go ahead and definitely look at it as at least a disappointment. You know, and it like you said, at worst, you got to go ahead and go with the uh, the other D word disaster. But yeah, uh, like when you really look at it in its totality, how John Gruden was thought of as the quarterback whisperer, but you never really actually saw him turn quarterbacks into studs. I mean, we can go look at uh, Rich Gannon. That was a lot of that was that was Bill Callahan. So yeah, I, I think that uh, what Keyshawn Johnson said the other day on ESPN about how he was, how he feels that John Gruden is a fraud and how he felt like that even back when he was in Tampa Bay with him, I think that now you're starting to see there's some validity to what Keyshawn was saying. That's why I say for Mark Davis to have always wanted John Gruden to go ahead and give him autonomy within the organization who pretty much pushed Reggie McKenzie out of the door, that's where I believe Mark Davis, you got to answer somebody's question. You can't go and hide from the media. And I don't want to talk down on Mark Davis because I met him several times. I like him as a person. But if we're just being objective, because you're the one who signs all the checks, because you're the you're the owner of the franchise, you got to go and, t and answer some of those tough questions rather than just leaving those to a to an interim head coach. And he may not be well equipped to go ahead and actually answer those questions. So I think that uh, Mark Davis, yeah. I mean, you got to go ahead and put this at his feet. And like I said, once again, I've met Mark Davis several times. Uh, I was a huge fan of his father. God rest his soul, Al Davis. So I think the world of Mark Davis. But if we're just being objective, you got to answer those questions because this is the guy you wanted all along. Dan, you played eight years in the NFL, and John Gruden is rightfully out of a job for the comments that he made in his emails. But you've been inside those locker rooms You've been on the playing field. 
You can't tell me he's the only person in the league who thinks and talks like what he emailed. <laughs> oh, come on. You Thank kidding you. me? Thank you. <laughs> come on, now, DA. Come on. Right? <laughs> now, there's, there's players. There's coaches. There's owners that think just like John Gruden does. When you really go back and look at it, think about it. Just go back and look really, really deep. Why do you think it took so long for the NFL to understand where Kaepernick was coming from? Because you got a lot of owners that they just simply don't believe in this. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. He didn't want his players kneeling. You go and I can tell you for a fact, for a fact, I still have inside sources in that Houston Texans locker room. They were told flat out, don't kneel. Period. Who told them that? Who told them that? Where'd that they come were, from? I'll tell you this. They were told from the powers that be. Okay. <laughs> they were told from, and think about it, right? Whenever those types of comments are made, they're not coming from the assistant coach. They're not even really coming from the head coach. Right. They're coming from up top. Absolutely. It goes and beyond so, the general manager from the president. It comes from the top. It has to. Exactly. And so in my point that I'm trying to make is, and I live here in Houston, and I remember during all of this, Colin Kaepernick, the kneeling type of uh, type of uh, saga, I noticed the reporters didn't even question the players about it. So not only were the players told not to kneel, the reporters were told, don't you ask no questions about the kneeling on Tuesdays or Wednesdays whenever, uh, you know, it's media day. So my point that I'm trying to make is, is it, when you ask Shirley Stanford, there, you know, he's not the only person that has those feelings. Oh, hell no. There's players, there's coaches, there's GMs, there's owners, there's all kinds of people within the NFL and all of sport that have that mentality. This just happened to come up in a probe or an investigation into the Washington football team. And then, oh, who's that? John Gruden? Oh, my God. Like, this is interesting. Let me go ahead and, you know, show this to somebody else. And then, all of a sudden, it just caught fire after that. But no, John Gruden is just simply the person who got caught, per, uh, per se, speeding on the highway that everybody else speeds on. So no, he by no means is the only person. And like I said, when you look at how it took so long for the NFL to come around to understanding, oh my God, there's actually people out here that are getting disrespected by cops. There's people out here that are getting disrespected and treated badly in society. Oh my God. Where have I been all this time? Oh, yeah, that's right. I've been hiding under my rock and trying to pretend that I don't see it. So there's plenty of that that goes on in the NFL. It's just now all coming to the forefront when you see the pandemic that made everybody stop, that made the world stop. You see George Floyd, and that's the only reason why George Floyd got as much coverage as it did because it's during a pandemic where everybody has to be inside and is forced to just do nothing but look at their TV screen or look at their phone, things like that. And then all of a sudden, that's when Roger Goodell, the rest of the NFL, wants to come around and do what? Put the end racism on the back of the helmets, on the back of the end zones, things like that. But yet, once again, you still do not see that stringent iron fist that wants to weed out every last little bit of racism, prejudice, misogyny, homophobic, anything like that. So to answer your question, I know I'm getting long-winded, Dennis. Trust me on this. He is by far not the only one in the NFL that shares those same views. Dan, in your eight years, did you ever encounter any racism? <laughs> Come on now. Is that a trick question? <laughs> yes, I encountered it. Um, and the thing is- in what form, I, how? 
I've encountered it from fans. Uh, I haven't really encountered it much from like personnel, you know, okay. coach or uh, that, team. That's of, what I was getting official. more at. Yeah. Within no. the okay. And see, the thing is, is that because we, and it's just like John Gruden, he put that in an email. He just didn't right. think the email would ever get out. So we're all grown men. And when you get to a certain age, you know how to hide some of your issues, your, your homophobic nature, your, your being a racist, your misogyny, you know how to hide that. And the thing is, and so when you ask that question verbatim, it's hard to go ahead and say, yeah, I've already experienced it or no, I haven't, because there's a thing called microaggression. And I'll go ahead and explain to you what I mean. So people know how to mask said issue, said racism. So I'll go ahead and use a couple of examples. I remember a couple of years ago, this back when DeAndre Hopkins was still with the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien told him, I, uh, you can't bring your, you can't have your baby mamas coming up to the facility. That's a very microaggressive comment simply because Bill O'Brien, you used to coach for the New England Patriots, if memory serves, offensive coordinator. So you're the offensive coordinator. What player, what position does the offensive coordinator spend most of his time around usually? Quarterback. Position? Quarterback. Quarterback. And at the time, I believe the quarterback for the for the for the New England Patriots was Tom Brady. Correct. Yes. And if memory serves, Tom Brady, beautiful wife, Giselle, great kids, this that, and the other. Tom Brady has a son from a previous relationship. Correct. So he wasn't married to Bridget Monahan, which, by the way, I love her on the show Blue Bloods. <laughs> um, so if he wasn't married to her and he had a kid with her, that would make her a baby mama yes it would if we, we want to be technically correct sure. you are you wouldn't dare tell tom brady he can't have his baby mom at the facility why the hell wouldn't you but you can tell that to deandre hopkins and so that's what i mean when i say the microaggressiveness so did bill o'brien call deandre hopkins the n-word no he's not a racist he didn't call him out of his name and that's where you got to be a little bit better with noticing the intricacies of what someone says. So, okay, here we go. We'll look at Jerry Jones. We'll look at the powers that be with the Houston Texans from the South. Jerry Jones from Arkansas. Uh, I believe the McNair family is from uh, South Carolina, I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're Southern. Everybody in the South is big on religion. They're all big on doing the right thing, doing on to others as you want others to do on to you. You know, the Southern hospitality. How many people had an issue with Tim Tebow back in 2011 when he knelt so many times on the football field? How many, how many people had an issue with that? Dennis? None that I'm aware of. Because he's strong in his faith. But when Colin Kaepernick kneels during the national anthem, oh my God, run that guy out of the league. He doesn't deserve to be here. Hey, Dallas Cowboys, y'all better not kneel. Hey, Houston Texans, y'all better not kneel. So why is it that you don't have a problem when Christian-loving, God-fearing Tim Tebow does it, but when Colin Kaepernick, you know, he's got a little bit of a darker tan, you got an issue with that. And that's why when you ask that question verbatim, I can say, no, I haven't experienced any racism, but when you think about the microaggressions, when you think about things like that, it happens. And so men know how to mask it. So if you're asking, have I ever been called the N-word by some sort of team official? No, I haven't. But do you experience the microaggressiveness comments here and there, but are just ambiguous enough 
to where if you call them out on it, they have plausible deniability of, well, I mean, I just don't want you having your kids up here because, you know, it's a workplace and blah, blah, blah. It's real easy to hide behind that. But as a man, as a black man, you know what it is. All right, Stan, let's try to spin this forward now with the Raiders. And we're taping this podcast on a Wednesday. Now, they have named a new interim head coach. It's Rich Basaccia. He is meeting uh-huh. with the media today. Now, the players also met with the media today. And here's what Derek Carr had to say. Take a listen. I can't speak for everybody. I'm not in everybody's shoes. Um, a lot of emotions, obviously. Um, didn't see all of this coming. I don't think any of us did. It just kind of caught us all by surprise, you know. Um, uh, but uh, there will be a day for those feelings. There will be a day and a time uh, to talk about all that, you know, and I'll get into some of it if you have more questions. But uh, from an emotional standpoint, I got a job to do. And uh, that's never changed, no matter who the coach is, no matter who's on the team with me. Um, I have a job to do, and that's to lead these men, especially now. They need a leader more than ever. And uh, my job is to lead them with my actions like I always have um, and my voice, just trying to be a strong voice for people to continually bring people together and continually push people in the right direction. And uh, We're three and two. Um, you know, we have everything out in front of us that we've wanted from the beginning. Um, it's not going to be with the same room of people, uh, which is hard. But at the same time, nobody cares, you know, and you know how that goes. Uh you know, I think that for me, uh, just the message today was I, I just tried to push everything off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sick about it. Uh, have a lot of emotions, angry, sick, you know, upset, mad, frustrated, all, all those things, empathy, you know, whatever. You know, all, no one has a, I don't think there's a book on how to handle all this, you know, um, or uh, actually there is, but I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that there's a, a way for a quarterback to stand up here and answer these type of questions is what I should say. Um, but for me, my message today was we have a job to do. So uh, it's Wednesday. If we're still in our feelings, it's too late. We got to move on. I don't condone that kind of talk. I don't talk that way. My kids sure as heck will never talk that way, you know, and, uh, you know, it's hard because I love the man so much. You know what I mean? Like I have family members that have done things. I've done things that I'm glad that I'm still loved, you know? And, uh, I think more than anything, coach needs people to help him, to love him, you know, uh, um, in, in whatever areas, you know, that we can, but at the same time, what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong, you know? And, uh, you know, did I, did I, I've never seen something like this happen, and so you don't know like the precedent. Like I don't saying like I don't know is he suspended? Is it a fine? I, I don't know. I'm not good at figuring those kind of things out. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but when that came out, I mean, shortly after my wife sent it to me, you know, I was getting ready studying and stuff. She sent it to me. I read it, and it's about time I got done reading it. It was over. You know, I'm like, and he resigned, and um, so you can imagine there's a lot going on in my head um and again i'll i'll probably get more into it someday about everything that went down um for me uh but but again y'all know i got a job to do and i got uh it wasn't his fault that we you know didn't play well on the field you know we, we as players the last two weeks we haven't been good enough so um 
you know, that's not on him, that's on us. You know, we got to play better this week and get a win, especially against a good defense. Well, one glaring omission today from Media Day with the Raiders was owner Mark Davis. Now, he did issue a statement earlier saying that John Gruden was no longer head coach of the Raiders, but Mark Davis should have spoke today. He is the owner of this franchise. The Raiders are in crisis mode, and as the owner, he needs to step up. We need to hear from him, and he needs to answer the questions that are being asked of him by the media. And for him not to do this, to hide behind his statement, is wrong. It shows lack of leadership. And another example of why the team is where it is right now, and maybe that's why they've only made the playoffs once since he took over as owner for his father. Absolutely. I think that, and that's something the players notice. Like, players will notice that nobody's being allowed to talk to the media, the media today but our new interim head coach. Players notice that. They'll notice that Mark Davis or Mike Mayock or nobody's commenting on anything. They notice that. So it just shows a lack of accountability and it just shows a lack of transparency because this is the thing. I can tell you like this. As a player, if you go out, let's say you get a DWI, let's say you get arrested, you get in trouble of some sort, something like that. On most teams, most, this is how most teams do it. The GM, the head coach, they want you as the player during that Wednesday morning team meeting or Thursday, Friday, whatever, they want you to get up there, walk up there to the to the podium in front of the entire team in the auditorium, and they want you to address the team and tell them, hey, this is what happened. I apologize. You know, I, I won't do it again. Basically, they want you to take accountability, basically, in so many words. So as a coach, as an owner, when they turn around and not do the same thing, which is a.k.a. standing in front of the firing squad and accepting and enduring those bullets that are going to be, they're going to be shot at you in a form of tough questions. So whenever the coach or the GM or the owner, whoever does not do that, it just shows that, oh, so you want me to be accountable if I get a, D, a DWI, but you know, when some nonsense like this happens, you want to go and basically hide behind the, oh, nobody's answering questions. We're just going to have one person like, no, you got to have that certain level of accountability. It's got to be transparent to the point of, okay, we're all in this together, number one. But number two, we're all we're we're all susceptible to the scrutiny. We're all susceptible to the bullets that the media is going to throw in the form of tough questions. Like we're all being we're all willing to put ourselves on front street like that and vaguely be vulnerable in that moment. And so for players, when they don't see that, that definitely will cause them to look at things much differently. Uh, and, uh, and lose respect for, for a lot of the parties involved. So Rich Passaccia, just a little bit of a resume on him. He started in the NFL in 2002 with John Gruden at Tampa Bay. Uh, he's been an assistant head coach and special teams coordinator uh, since 2012 with the Chargers, as well as the Cowboys and the Raiders beginning in 2018. He did meet with the media today. Here's what he had to say. Before we get started, um, I'd like to read something to you uh, that I've prepared uh, with help from people I care about uh, and that care about me. And um, and we'll go from there. Um, before we talk about our team or our game at Denver, I feel it's important to acknowledge the significance of this moment. Coach Gruden gave me a chance to coach in the National Football League. I'll always be appreciative of that. That being said, 
we all have a responsibility here and have to be held to be accountable to our words and our actions. No one person is bigger than the Raider Shield. The Raiders have always stood for diversity, inclusion, social justice. It's important to live those ideals and carry them into the future. We cannot change the past, but we can do more to maybe make tomorrow better. The first one that came out, obviously everyone has opinions um, that they're all entitled to. Our players had conversations, obviously, at that time with, with Coach, but I, I, we, we didn't perform well in the game. Uh, I don't really like to use different vernacular. We, we just did not perform well. We did not execute well. We didn't do anything well enough to win the game. And then, um, to be honest with you, after that, uh, the loss, um, you, you go through whatever that is. And we met on Monday. Um, as usual, we had a special teams meeting and had the whole team in there. And then we had a team meeting, offense and defense met. And then it wasn't later that we discovered, or like everyone else, kind of what happened. And so um, at that particular time, um, my humanistic qualities are really like everybody else. And so was our coaches. And uh, it just kind of hit us all. And then after that, it just, it's a little bit of a blur. Um, next thing you know, a little bit later at night that, you know, I'm talking to the owner and after that, our biggest concern was to get a hold of our players, all position coaches called the players and let's kind of tell them what's going on. They've already seen stuff on internet and whatever else that, that's out there. And, and uh, so we just wanted to get a, our voices to them and, and uh, tell them we'd see them on Wednesday morning. You know, Stan, I thought it was interesting that the Raiders did go with him because they have a couple of assistants on the staff already who have had previous head coaching experience. Tom Cable was obviously the Raiders head coach. He's the offensive line coach now with the team. Yes. Gus Bradley also with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the defensive coordinator. Are you a little surprised they didn't go with a couple of guys who had previous head coaching experience? To be honest with you, I kind of am. I kind of am a little bit surprised, but it just goes to show that whenever whenever somebody's named the interim head coach, you don't exactly know the reason behind it. For some, for some t Sometimes it could be, okay, we think he's the next head coach uh, in the making. That could be a lot of it, but it also could be, okay, we just need somebody who's going to go ahead and be a puppet or just simply be a facial figure for the remainder of the season, and then we can go ahead and start the hiring process, the, uh, the, uh, the interview process with new candidates, things like that. So it really is a matter of the mindset behind why they chose. So you got a Tom Cable, who was my head coach for a couple of years in Oakland. You got, like you just said, Gus Bradley, but they might go and take this and actually use this as a springboard to go ahead and really want to be the head coach going forward. But if I'm Mark Davidson, I already know, okay, the eventual head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders is not on the roster right now. I don't want to put somebody in that position. I'll just go ahead and say it like this. I don't want to put somebody in that position who could potentially do a good job because then I might be forced, I might be roped into having to keep them in 2022 rather than just go ahead Put somebody in there. Let them be the. Let them be a, a figurehead right now. We're gonna go. We're gonna finish the the season in these remaining twelve games and go four and eight, something like that. And then I can go ahead wipe the slate clean, bring in a new head coach. He'll have his new staff, things like that. So you don't want to be roped into having to retain somebody that you may not have wanted to originally all along. Stan, let's move to the front office now. And you and I have previously talked about general manager Mike Mayock. Uh, we both said if the Raiders didn't make the playoffs this year, he's probably out of a job. Do you think this buys him an extra year now? 
It could. It depends on how his negotiation skills are. Uh, he could very well go ahead and swing this into, hey, man, you saw what happened in the middle part of the season. We'll start off 3-0. and Then we go ahead, we lose to the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football. We lose to the Bears. But I think a lot of that had to do with the team being distracted for everything that came out on Friday with the racial trope that, uh, that John Gruden made against NFL PA director Jamar Smith. He could go ahead and use Sunday's loss as is uh and go ahead and attribute it to that he could and then the remainder of the season see like we had a new interim head coach everything just got out of flux we started off really really good so let's not go ahead and try to break up the momentum that we started to have at the beginning of the season so depending on his negotiation skills yes mike may i can definitely go ahead and swing this into another year of being the gm i think it also might depend on who comes in i mean let's I think every Raider fan is like, okay, Rich Passaccia, just take reins of this job and let's see how the rest of the season goes. And who knows, if the Raiders have a lot of success, then maybe they keep everything in place and Mike Mayock is still the general manager. Perhaps Mark Davis blows it up, depending on who the next head coach is. And coaches today, as you know, Stan, they have so much power. They're, you know, they're just helping dictate who the general manager is. Yes. And before it used to be, okay, you hire a general manager who then hires the coach, but the philosophy has kind of changed over mm-hmm. the years so i think it kind of remains to be seen who is the raiders uh head coach next year and i know there's already a lot of odds out there i mean to me uh, if things don't uh work out with rich Bisaccia, my first call is to uh the kansas city chiefs and eric Bieniemy. i've said that eric all Bien-Ami, along. yes you mm-hmm. know i, I agree yeah, i'm a huge fan of his and that's my first phone call i agree completely could definitely uh cannot in any way uh, push back on that yeah eric Bieniemy would definitely be one of my first calls All right, Stan, final question on this topic. And a lot of my friends have asked me, you know, what what do you think is going to happen with the Raiders on the field moving forward? And to me, I think a lot of it depends on Sunday's game. If the Raiders come out and lay an egg, I don't think it bodes well moving forward. I think if they come out and they play hard and they lose, okay, that's going to give me some optimism moving forward. If they come out and win, I would be very, one, I would be very surprised. Two, I would be obviously very thrilled because I don't expect them to win on Sunday. You played for the Raiders for quite a few years. You had to deal with a lot of off-the-field distractions with this organization. Stan, how do these players block out all the noise and just try to focus on the game of football, not only on Sunday, but moving forward? Well, number one, you have to because it's your job. And I think anybody who's like on a one-year deal or you got a player who's trying to earn a free agent contract, a long-term deal, Derek Carr, Zay Jones, uh, Josh Jacobs, who are who are trying to earn another contract uh you you have no choice but to go ahead and put it out of your mind because you got bigger fish to fry and i think that for all the players you look around you see right now the kansas city chiefs lost again to the buffalo bills on yep. sunday night football and got smacked so that right now i believe they're two and three i believe Correct. and that the denver broncos are three, three and two and, tied with the raiders exactly so this 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 division is still very much in reach you got the uh the los angeles chargers right now they're rolling they're four and one They've only had one loss that was to the Dallas Cowboys back in week two. So this division is very much in grasp. You can go ahead and grab this thing. And you got the Denver Broncos where you where you can go ahead and leapfrog them this coming weekend. So I think it really is just going to be incumbent upon the coaches. Are they going to keep everybody together? Are they going to go ahead and keep this thing from falling apart? And I think right now you got to stick together. And it's almost like now because players – 
on most teams are predominantly African-American or minority descent. You now have Carl Nassib, who was an openly gay football player, the first to ever come out and be openly gay. So now it's almost a way where we can band together, almost kind of like us against Gruden. Like, you know, we got that one bad apple out of here. So now we're banding together for our brothers. And it's almost kind of like we want to win to go ahead and spite him to some degree. So it could go either way. It could. I think that very well because of some of the leadership with the Casey Hayward, because of the leadership with K.J. Wright, because of the leadership with Gus Bradley, who's been on a winning team before. Tom Cable, one of my one of my favorite coaches of all time. I love that guy. I love the way he's going to go and give you that real talk. He's not going to BS you. He's going to shoot it to you straight. So I think that when you look at all of those guys in totality, I could see very well this team banding together and actually having that leadership catapult them over this abyss right now that's basically looming over this organization so i would go ahead and say that i think you're going to see hard fought games against the denver broncos and even going down the stretch rather than them just tanking it because regardless of everything that has transpired with john gruden it is still very much in reach the kansas city chiefs they don't look like the same team from last year something is missing and then the denver broncos They've had several. They they're three and three and three and two right now, but they don't have a victory over against a good team per se. And then you got the Los Angeles Chargers. We all know the woes that they've had in close games and on special teams and things like that over the last couple of years. They're one game ahead of you, so all they got to do is go stub their toe against somebody. You win, and then guess what? We're right back at having a tie. And guess what? It's still twelve games left to go in this season, not eleven. Twelve. So. You still got a long way to go. So I think you're probably going to see more fight than you will quit. Here's my final thought on this. And Stan, in all of this, I feel bad for the Raider fan base because this is probably the most loyal fan base in all of sport, not just the NFL, but I'm saying in all of sport. And they've had to deal with this franchise relocating three times. The first time from Oakland to Los Angeles mm-hmm. in 1982, then from LA back to Oakland in 1995, and then a couple of years ago from the Bay Area to Vegas, and I feel like they have been shit on, excuse my language. The product that the Raiders have put on the field since going to the Super Bowl in 2002 has been god-awful, and you've you experienced quite a bit of that. They've made uh-huh. the playoffs one time, and that was 2016, and they were bounced in the first round. There was a lot of optimism going yes. into this season. They started out 3-0, and and they could. there is still time to turn this around. We don't know how it's going to finish moving forward, but I do feel bad for this fan base. I really do, because they put up with a lot and they have stayed loyal to a franchise when especially a lot of people would have jumped ship when Agreed. your team relocates that many times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it is week six in the NFL and football is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for another season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAVE to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. 
And speaking of other sports, Stan, we're both big basketball fans. The NBA season tips off soon. Oh, yes. There's a handful of teams that I think can win the finals. Maybe not even a handful. Maybe a handful. How about that? You know, yeah. Milwaukee's looking to repeat. Obviously, the Lakers out west. Uh, my Warriors, I think, could be a dark horse depending on Klay Thompson. And then to mm-hmm. me, what should be what should be the clear-cut favorite are the Brooklyn Nets. However, <laughs> and it's a big however, Kyrie Irving is unvaccinated. And in yes. New York City, San Francisco, and here in Los Angeles, if you're unvaccinated and you're in an indoor setting that large, like an NBA arena, then you have to be vaccinated. And right now, Kyrie has no plans to do that. And on Monday, Nets management told Kyrie, just stay home. What do you make of this situation, Stan? Oh, wow. Uh, and to your point, you look at Andrew Wiggins with the Golden State Warriors, same thing as, well, with them as far as like uh, if it's a large gathering or something, something like that, you know, you have to be vaccinated. I think Kyrie Irving is at a crossroads right now, probably in his career, maybe even his life as oh, well. Oh, I think career, absolutely. Yeah, where he, he, he's got to pick a side. And, you know, you look at how obviously James Harden and Kevin Durant, at least for them, for their names not to be mentioned in this, I'm assuming they're vaccinated as well. I believe the NBA is like, yeah, like they're the NBA is like at 90 percent, 95 percent vaccination rate, something like that. So Kyrie Irving has to make a decision. And I think this is where for fans that want to sit up up there and always talk about, oh, you know, uh, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, but it is. It is. Maybe it shouldn't be that way, but it is. So you have two choices. You can either A, get vaccinated and play with your brothers, or B, don't play with your brothers. There really is no in-between. Now, can he get traded to maybe a team that plays in a city that there is not the heavy mandate on vaccination for large gatherings, things like that? Maybe that could possibly be uh, letter C. But it really is, it's very simple. And it just comes down to what you want. If you want to go ahead and stick to your guns and you believe in your morals, you believe in your values, Kyrie, that's fine. Then you go ahead, sit out, don't play basketball anymore. But if you want to play basketball and you want to still get that $34 million that you're guaranteed this year, you might want to go ahead and get that shot. And so that really boils down to, you know, what ultimately it is. And I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll say this. Let me go ahead and try to wrap this up because I know we're up against the time. But the thing is, Dennis, this is where... For people, this is where I find this very perplexing. Now, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about the people that fit into this category, what I'm about to explain. Or should I say describe? If you're the type of person who will go out, have a few drinks, share drinks with, you know, your buddy or whoever. If somebody wants to buy a round of shots, you just go ahead and just automatically just chug it. If you're the type of person who, let's say, you like to go out on a Saturday night and you like to, let's say you meet somebody at a bar and you start tongue kissing them down in the alley or in the car or something like that. You may engage in some sort of premarital sex, something like that with somebody you just met or somebody has, let's say a party favor, maybe some marijuana, maybe some Coke, maybe something like that. And you decide to go ahead and take a hit of it. Maybe they have a cigarette. Hey, hey, let me go ahead and bum a cigarette off you. You do all of that, drink after people, have premarital sex, use drugs, things like that. You don't ask, hey, this this uh this weed that uh, that I'm about to smoke. Hey, 
well, who was the mixologist? Who was the chemist? Who was the chemist that went ahead and, and, and made it, created it? You're not asking all them damn questions. But all of a sudden, now vaccine comes into play. Oh, well, you know, I got to do some more research on it. And, you know, I got to go ahead and, you know, look it up a little bit more. But yet, when you were at the bar drinking, you're not asking, hey, did you go ahead and disinfect this cup? You're not asking, hey, what's exactly in this that I'm actually drinking? So many athletes go and will take any type of supplement that their trainer suggests to them. They're not looking up every ingredient on the back of it thinking, okay, let me go ahead and Google this. Okay, is it actually on the NFL's mandate uh, band list? Okay, is it accepted? They're not doing that. So how is it in one instance, you're reckless, but in another instance, all of a sudden you wanna be buttoned up, you wanna be meticulous. So somebody's gotta go ahead and make that make sense. Like you can't be over here playing both sides of the fence just because it suits you. Now, if you're the type of person that you're very meticulous with every other aspect of your life, you go, you ask questions, even when the doctor prescribes something for you, you go and actually upon yourself, you go and you Google every ingredient that's on the back of the label. If you do that, or you go to the bar and you don't drink after anybody, you go to the bar or it, uh, and somebody offers you, let's say uh, a blunt to go ahead and smoke a cigarette, whatever. And you don't do that because you're worried about, I don't know where your mouth has been. I don't know this, that, and the other Then You know what? I'm not talking to you. But if you're anybody who's ever been in any point in time in your life reckless to a certain degree, or you want to go and just have sex with a perfect stranger, you know, go hook up with somebody, then how is it you're able to be reckless in that aspect, but you want to be buttoned up and meticulous over here? You got to go ahead and be one or the other. Like you can't just go ahead and pick and choose. So it's those types of people that I have the biggest issue with. But if you're somebody who's who uh, who you're true to who you are, I don't have no problem with you. But it's just like, come on now, I like don't pick and choose when you want to sound mature and when you want to just throw caution to the wind all because it makes you feel good, you know, on a Friday or Saturday or, you know, the weekend or on vacation or whatever you want to call it. You know, Stan, I don't think anybody will question that Kyrie is a wonderful talent. He could be top five, six players uh, oh, yeah. in the league. No you know, he, played six, he played six years in Cleveland. He helped win a championship there. He hit the game one mm -hmm. shot in game seven to beat my Warriors. Yep. Eventually decides he doesn't want to play in Cleveland. He doesn't want to be second fiddle LeBron James. I understand that. Goes to Boston for two years. That certainly did not work out. He goes to Brooklyn to join the super team along with Kevin Durant and James Harden. Like I said, nobody questions this guy's talent. When he plays, he's one of the best players in the NBA. But that's the problem, Stan. When he plays. <laughs> yeah. I looked this up. I looked this up, Stan. This is going to be his 11th year in the NBA. Do you know how many times he's played a full 82 games in a season? Oh, I would imagine, if anything, maybe once, if anything. 0, 0.0, Stan. He has yeah. never played a full season. And Sounds I get, about right. You, you know, he play, load he management play, and all that, but he whatever. Didn't play the, he didn't play the full freshman season at Duke. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. You know, look, at, I applaud Nets management for telling him to stay home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm James Harden, I got to be so upset with Kyrie because I haven't won a championship and I'm getting late in my career. And I don't know how, how many more opportunities I'm going to have. And I'm sure Kevin Durant is not thrilled with this either. I mean, these three jo joined up to be a super team. For one, yeah, Durant, for one reason and one reason only. Exactly. KD got his two titles with the Warriors. I know they would have had a third one if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. KD mm -hmm. could have stayed in Golden State and probably won another I don't know how many in yes. a row. And they could have been the greatest dynasty ever. And Stan, you mentioned possibly trading Kyrie. I don't know who would want him with all this baggage that he comes with. 
Me I don't neither. know what you could get in equal value in return. You couldn't. There is no way. But if I'm going to trade him, at least maybe try to get as much as you can for him. And I want a guy that I know is going to show up and be there all 82 games. He's going to go to war with me. And I know I can depend on him. I can't depend on Kyrie. I don't know how this situation plays out. I don't know what happens. But man, that locker room, when he comes back, I don't know if they're going to welcome him. I don't know if he's going to be back. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I just, you know, Kyrie's a wonderful talent, but all the baggage that he comes with, Stan, he is not worth the headache, in my opinion. Agreed. And I think that uh, that's where you're going to really see it be, to be very interesting whenever he actually does go back to the Brooklyn Nets or whatever team he goes to because of all of this. I mean, you even look back to last season. There were times where the Brooklyn Nets, the front office, did not even know where Kyrie was. Right. Like, they're calling him and they don't know where Kyrie is. Right. So I think that, uh, yeah, for James Harden, for KD, for all those guys on that team, like you're doing a disservice to them because you're disrespecting them to a certain degree because you're not being available. You're not being a good teammate. And that is something that's going to rain very, very deep in their minds. And it's going to be very hard for them to come back from that. Because remember, like I said, for men, we can't unsee things. We can't unhear things. We can't unfeel things. That's just something that's been ingrained in pretty much every man's wiring whenever you're born. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to get equal trade value back for him. And I think that that may be where Brooklyn goes, where, okay, we know we're not going to get equal value. Let's just get him the heck out of here just because we don't need all of this. And so then it'll be some other team's problem if he decides to report to him because knowing him, he may just simply not report. So like I said, I think that uh, it remains to be seen and it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Long season. Stan, who's St. Thomas High School playing this weekend? St. Thomas High School has Antonian, school out of San Antonio, Texas. Always plays very tough. Once again, I do not see any reason why we should not win the game and go ahead and take back control of the district right now. What's your record? We are five and two. Should be definitely six and one or seven and zero. Oh, but like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. But yeah, we're five and two. So what? Three regular season games left, and the playoffs begin. Uh, yes, yes, three regular season games left. What college game are you calling this weekend? We have Bowling Green versus Northern Illinois. MAC conference play. So are you a MAC guy now? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, this will be my second one. So uh, so definitely uh, a very interesting change of now not just being in the south the southern part of the united states or the east coast where the american athletic conference resides and now being in the midwest in chicago area you know things like that so it's, it's definitely a change because like i said uh i haven't been to chicago many times in my life so always different and always nice to see a new city new surroundings new way of life new environment things like that so uh no nah, i'm loving it right now well, Stan, this was a much different podcast than you and I anticipated after we signed off last week. But uh, yeah. good stuff as always, my friend. Always, man. Happy to be back on with you once again, Dennis. All right, Raider Nation. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.